Hey guys, I just want to take a moment to thank today's sponsor. Sponsor for today's episode is Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free, and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. That's where this podcast was made, and maybe that'll be where your podcast will be made. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Hello, welcome to today's episode. I am your host, Michael Aceta. I'm the founder of Matador Canine Brilliance, author of the Dog Training Cheat Codes, which I actually have to show you today. The Dog Training Cheat Codes. We're going to read from this during today's episode. And I'm the host of the Acknowledged Dogs podcast. Thank you for being here. I hope you get some value out of this content, the information I put out there. But if you're looking for more in-depth, you want to go one-on-one with me, click the link in the description, schedule a discovery call, so I can get to know you, your problems and goals, and we can reach them. I also want to give you a free gift. I've been talking about it quite a bit. It's a free PDF download about resolving bad habits. Please take advantage of it. There's no reason that your dog should be living chaos, causing you stress, and completely destroying your house or your way of living. So please take advantage of that as a short read, but it is packed with useful information. Today, we are talking about the mistakes that everybody makes. I've made them. Other trainers I know have made them. And they're not something that you necessarily think about all the time until someone calls them out. That's my job. I got to call out the things that we don't see all the time. Right? Once I realize that that's happening in my life, I have to tell you guys about it. I tell you about it and then you go, huh? Yeah, I guess I do that too. And we all grow as a community, as individuals and together, we're all going to grow and move on and our dogs are going to get better and better. My goal is to push the industry forward. That's my long-term goal. Right. I've seen the past. I've seen the present. I don't know what the future holds, but I want dog training as a whole to become better and better. I'm tired of it being stagnant, sitting still, using old technologies. I want to learn new things. And by doing that, by giving you information, everybody starts to learn the things that I know and they'll bring new things to the table. But if everybody's trying to catch up, we can't move forward. At least that's what I think. So please take the resources that I give you, listen to the podcast, listen to the episodes, follow us on social media because we're always posting things, little tips and tricks here and there. But today we're talking about the big mistakes that everybody makes. Okay, this is hands down the biggest mistakes that I see over and over and over again. Trainers make these mistakes. Owners make these mistakes. Parents make these mistakes with their own kids. Not even, not even dogs, just kids. These are mistakes that are made constantly. Now, the first one we're going to talk about, I want to actually read from the book, The Dog Training Cheat Codes. Okay, now this is a book I wrote. It is available at matadorcanine.com. You can get a physical copy. You can order a physical copy or the ebook if you're that kind of person. If enough people are interested, I will record the audio version of it. So if you're interested and you want an audio version, please email me or message me on social media saying, hey, I'm not really a, a book reader but I would love to listen to it. I want to buy the audio version and I'll, I'll record the audio version. I don't mind, but I want to know if it's something people want. Okay. So I was talking about a dog that didn't have, that uh, didn't have any aggressive issues or behavior problems, but it behaved poorly, poorly for what the family wanted. 
They wanted a perfectly well-behaved dog that would listen to anything they said. Problem was they weren't practicing with the dog. Just like anything in life, you need to practice in order for it to improve. Every single day, you do a very small thing and write it in your training journal, which we talk about in the book as well. You'll see a slow but gradual improvement over a long period of time, right? So if, you, if you're tracking these things, which again, I talk about in the book, if you track these things, you're much more likely to see improvement, not only in your day-to-day -day life, but you'll be more cognizant of it. So I always think about the gym, and I'm actually going to talk about it in a second with the gym. But with the gym, if you were to work out every single day, you might not see something from day to day. But if you look at a photo from 30 days ago to now, right, the classic transformation photo, so 30 days, if you see that, you're like, wow, that was a wonderful transformation. But you don't see that day to day. And other people who don't see you very often, they're going to see the transformation a lot more than you do. Think about when you were a kid and you went to go see grandma. Oh, how big you've gotten. You didn't think you got big, but grandma thought you were huge. And it's because there is a giant leap between what we realize for ourselves and what someone else realizes for us. So let's keep reading. The more consistent the progress is, the more permanent the progress is. If you were to go to the gym for two months and absolutely obliterate your body in order to get in peak physical condition for the summer, your body isn't going to stay that way for long, right? You could, you could obliterate your body in the gym. Every single day, your, your PR goes up. Every single day, you are absolutely smashed. Yeah, you're going to grow because your body's going to adapt. But it's not going to stay that way for long. The same would go for if you dropped 100 pounds by fasting for 30 days and only drinking water. Right? This is a classic thing that people do. They'll do a cleanse, and they feel really good, and they look really good, and then they go eat something and they balloon up, right? The second you eat something, you're going to balloon back up. However, if you take a slow, calculated approach by doing small, habitual changes, like diet or daily exercise, your body will slowly adapt, and the consistency from doing those routines will benefit you long-term. This does not mean you have to train your dog, diet, or work out for your entire life. It simply means if you do it long enough, you don't have to think about it anymore, and you'll see more progress in the long-term. So you're not training enough, right? That was big mistake number one. And there you go. That's how you kind of solve it. That's how you fix it. Make it a habit to train your dog. Five minutes in the morning, five minutes at night, breakfast and dinner. Okay, breakfast and dinner, five minutes in the morning, five minutes at night. That's 10 minutes a day. If you don't have 10 minutes a day, you have to reevaluate your life because you have way too much going on or you have to start eliminating things that are distracting you. As a business owner, as an entrepreneur, I have to eliminate things that distract me all the time. I work from home. I got a two-year-old. I would love to play with him all day, every single day, but I got to focus on my work. So for me, it's a personal thing. I got to tighten everything down and I still have to work with my dogs. I got to do certain things with them. So those five minutes here and there, you can find. I guarantee you can find it. And if you can't find it, email me. Let's figure out what's going on with your life. What can we subtract? Maybe too much television, too much social media. Maybe you read too much. Right? Maybe you're not the traditional Oh, I'm on social media so much. Maybe you're traditional reading books. Maybe you do a lot of art and you just get lost in the zone. Whatever it is, five minutes here in the morning, five minutes at night is all you need with your dog. That's 10 minutes a day. That's over an hour a week. You do the math, right? 52 weeks a year, you're doing an hour a week. Let's just say an hour a week. Then that's 52 hours a year. It's three days. Huh. 
two and a half days, <laughs> more like two days. So now, now I want to make a point. If you were to go to a class on a Tuesday or a Friday, whatever, you know, your local training club does as their class, it might be an hour long class. So, oh, well, I train an hour a week. Isn't that the same thing? It's not the same thing. Five minutes a day is much better than an hour one day a week because your body and your dog and the whole relationship gets used to this pattern. Your brain will start getting used to this pattern. Okay, I'm going to work with my dog every single day and my dog is going to get better every single day. My dog then starts to practice these behaviors a lot more. They get better at it. And so they, they're greasing the groove is what it's called. If you practice something every day, you're greasing the groove every day. So your brain is constantly thinking about what you might be practicing today. When I wanted to learn the piano, I tried to make a point to go whenever I passed the piano, open up the piano and I play a couple notes and then I close the piano. That's greasing the groove. My brain was always thinking about playing the piano then. Every time I passed, ooh, I should play the piano. And so my brain starts to initiate the concept of playing the piano, even if I didn't play the piano, if I was walking past it, my brain would start to practice mentally, esoterically in my brain, I'd start to practice playing the piano. So I'm greasing the group. Your dog does the same thing. If you practice sitting down and patiently waiting and walking nice on leash, doing all those things every single day, that's where their brain goes to all the time. It's the first thing they think of. Instead of excitement, 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 six days out of the week, and one day of the week I'm asking you to focus, and you can't because we're, we're at an imbalanced ratio. Six days of excitement, one day of focus, it's not going to work. However, six days of focus, one day of excitement is a much better balance, even though it might not seem balanced. It's much better of a balance. Big mistake number two is wasting time teaching things that don't actually serve you. They aren't important. Everybody does this. You teach your dog paw. I love paw. I think it's a very cute trick. But teaching your dog paw doesn't help them be patient. It doesn't help them get your attention. Well, it does help them get your attention, but not in a productive kind of way. They're going to start pawing at you and scratching you, and you're going to get mad, and then you're going to try to correct them. But paw worked over here, and you're correcting me. I don't, but you still keep asking me for paw. This doesn't make any sense. So teach your dogs the thing you need them to do first. And it doesn't have to be obedience. It doesn't have to be sit or down or recall. It should, because I think it sets a really strong foundation, but it doesn't have to be. Think about if you didn't learn a language, you didn't learn how to read or write. And yes, for hundreds of years, thousands of years, nobody learned how to read and write. But in today's day and age, if you don't know how to read and write, things will be much more complicated for you as you get older. You can't gain new knowledge and read. Forget government forms, trying to fill those out if you can't read, right? It creates a huge barrier for you, and you are stuck in a certain section. You either always need help or you can't advance in life because you're stuck. I, I, I can't read this new information that will help me because I can't read. I know it would help me. People keep telling me it'll help me, but I can't read, so I can't. And the fact that you can't even, you couldn't even go read about reading to learn how to read better because you can't read. That's why video style formats are so good. It takes away the reading part. People don't like to read sometimes. If you're going to read, you should read the dog training cheat codes, but shameless plug right there. So if you have the skills, you can then apply them when you actually need them. 
You don't have to apply them all day, but you can apply them if you need them. When I was younger, I did a lot of martial arts. I went to class three or four times a week. Absolutely loved it. I got my black belt at the age of 13. And for those of you who say that's not really a black belt, I think I was pretty damn good. Okay. Uh, I could hold my own in a fight against multiple opponents. Anyway, point being, I was constantly working out and keeping myself in really good shape. I was also young. But as I've gotten older, I haven't kept up with the martial arts as much. I've been focused on other things. I started dog training. I did this, that, and the third. When I was requested and needed my body to adapt to a certain situation, my athletic abilities were there when I needed them because I had the skills prior to needing them. I could jump over things. I could do um, physical feats that maybe other people couldn't. I could jump over a car, like those kinds of things. I had no problem doing because I was really fit. I could run. I could jump. I could slide. I could almost do a backflip without really trying. There was no effort involved for me. I could just do it. Playing dodgeball in high school, favorite thing in the world because I had the skills from doing martial arts. Now, as I've gotten older, my brain still has the skills. So if I need them in a jiffy, I can do them. I fell down. I did a nice roll, tuck and roll perfectly how I would have. And I was taught to do in martial arts. When I got up, I was a little sore. Right? My body just hadn't done those things in so long, so I'm out of practice, and I know I got to get back into the gym. That's a personal note for me. But my point is, if I just learned the fancy kicks at karate, they were not going to help me in a street fight. They weren't going to help me if I fell down. First thing you learn in karate was to fall down, because you're going to fall down a lot. If I didn't learn those skills, those fundamentals, those basics, the things that teachers try to tell us since day one, Learn the fundamentals. Learn the basics. You can't do the advanced stuff without the basics. Your dog's the exact same way. Yes, I can teach them tricks. You can teach them paw. You can teach them to spin around in a circle. But if they can't sit still for three minutes, they can't go with you anywhere. You can't go to an outdoor cafe. You can't bring them to the store, You know, clearly a, a place that allows dogs. You can't bring them on vacation with you. You can't bring them through the airport. You can't do anything with your dog. If they can't relax, sure, they can get everyone's attention by spinning around in circles and giving them paw and doing all these cute things. But if you're not going to teach things that help you have the freedom with your dog, that serve you, I always talk about it. Teach your dog to sit when you touch the handle of the door. That serves you. That helps your life. Right? Dogs that can carry things, even though we don't need our dogs to work, it gives them something to do. It helps you out. It's just like kids. Hey, could you hold this for me? I asked my two-year-old to feed my cat. He said, hey, can you feed Daniel? He takes the thing, he gets the food, he goes over and he feeds Daniel. He's learning how to do these things to help me in my life, but it also teaches him responsibility and to take care of my cat. I'm not abusing having a two-year-old and going, oh, I'm going to make him do everything and file my taxes and paint the walls. No, but I'm going to ask him to do simple things that he can do so he learns a responsibility. Our dogs don't learn the responsibility the same way a two-year-old would, but they learn that helping us is a way of bonding. Think about farming dogs, herding dogs. They love working, and a lot of dogs have behavior problems because they don't have a job. So give them a job and teach them the skills they need to serve you, to help you, to be with you, and have the freedom with your dog before you start teaching those fun tricks, agility, and all that kind of stuff. Those are great.
but teach the fundamentals first. And the big one, the, 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 the biggest one, <laughs> this one I will fight at the top of the hill until my last breath. <laughs> okay, I, I, I'm serious. I will fight this until my last breath. It is doing a preference test. Nobody does them. Nobody talks about them. It is so important. And I listen to a lot of podcasts. I watch a lot of YouTube videos. Nobody's talked about preference testing with your dog. What is preference testing? If you are using the wrong treat with your dog, the wrong reward, let alone a treat, wrong reward, your dog will not learn as fast as they can. My job is to be as effective in my training as possible. I don't want to spend a large amount of time on one given task. I want to get my dog successful, repeating the behavior to build up the confidence, right? Confidence is repeated success. So I want to build up their success and confidence in that behavior and grow it or move on to the next thing. That's my goal in every training scenario. Get them success, build up the confidence, high reinforcement history, move on to the next part. Whether it's the different variables, whether it's different reward schedules, whether we're moving to an entirely different behavior. And I can't do that as quickly if I don't have the right reward. You just can't. You just can't. I was working with a client once. She wanted to do agility with her dog. She had gone to a different trainer to do obedience, which is totally fine. The place I was working at, we did a lot of fitness. So it was totally fine. She wanted to do obedience with a different trainer. Go for it. Kudos to you. But they didn't use any treats. That trainer told the owner that the dog being next to you, that that person's presence is a reward in itself to the dog, and that she should take the dog and pull her and hold the dog to her hip in order to reward the dog for good behavior. Many dogs, I think that's great. If that works, wonderful. However, in most cases, dogs are not gonna find that as rewarding as the outside environment, especially agility. And some dogs don't like that. They don't want to be pinned against you. For example, one of my dogs, wonderful dog, he does not wanna cuddle with you. He just doesn't. He'll sit next to you. He loves sitting next to you. He doesn't mind being touched. He loves his belly rub. He loves playing fetch, but he does not want to cuddle with you. My other dog, on the other hand, will try to get inside your skin. So when this owner told me this, oh, well, you know, my dog being next to me is her reward. I said, okay, let's try to do agility with it. I gave her the benefit of the doubt. We tried to do agility with it. The dog wanted no part of the owner in running agility. I said, why don't we try a toy? Of course, the dog was perfect through the agility course with the toy. And the dog owner chalked it up to, well, of course, you have a toy. Of course, she's going to be motivated to do it. Why wouldn't you use a toy then? To me, it didn't make any sense. Why, why would I make it harder for my dog and myself if I know that using a reward properly can build up the motivation, have them enjoy the process a lot more, get the results faster, and I can phase out the toy later on? Seems like common sense to me. But if you don't have the right reward, let's say you're using a lower value reward to try to teach something instead of using a higher value reward. That low value reward, yes, will teach them, but the high value reward will teach them much faster because they're more motivated to learn. They want to keep engaging, right? They want to get to the next step because they know they're going to get more rewards. If you have something low on the scale, they're, they're not really motivated. It's like if I give you a penny for doing something versus $100. If the value is way higher than whatever I'm asking you to do, 
right? I'm asking you to go knock on a stranger's door. You'll do it for a hundred bucks. But if I'm only going to give you a penny, like, no, it's not worth it. That's exactly what your dog thinks. Take the time before you start training, officially, formal training, figure out what your dog loves, not likes, not interested in, loves. They should get serious. I have posted on social media, Hawk with a tennis ball. I pull up the tennis ball. He goes from panting and loosey-goosey to dead serious. He wants to kill that tennis ball. That is the kind of focus that you need. And when we find that, we call it the magnet because the dog is so attracted to it. It is their preferred reward, and you keep that valuable as best you can. So Hawk only has the tennis ball when we're training, when we're doing something really exciting and motivating. I need him to really engage with me. I won't teach him necessarily with the tennis ball, but I can reward him heavily with a tennis ball. I might teach him with low value rewards so he gets the skills down, right? We talked about it, teaching the fundamentals first, and then I can start to build on things. So if I have, let's say, cheese, I can teach him really quickly, and now we can move on to the tennis ball where I can get faster behavior, more motivating behavior, and he's really, really serious. I'm also not fattening my dog up with treats. I can have him actually exercise with the toy. So those are your three big mistakes that literally everybody makes all the time. I've made them. I've forgotten some of the things. Oh man, I should have should have done a preference test first. I just got excited and we jumped into it. Or you miss a day or you miss two days of training with your dogs. You've broken down that habit. All it takes is three days of consistency and now you're completely gone, right? If you're training every single day for six months, three days go by and you don't train, now you're starting to get into this other habit, not training. Something is stopping you. Either you're convinced you shouldn't be training your dog anymore, that they don't need it, or you're uncertain of what you should be doing. You've kind of hit everything and you're like, ah, what do I do? So make sure you have a list. You can teach tricks. I have no problem teaching tricks. Just teach those fundamentals first. See how they all kind of see how they all kind of go together. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, leave them in the comments. You can also message me on any social media platforms like TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. If you are interested in the dog training cheat codes, it's the book I read from earlier in the episode. If you're interested in that, head over to matadorcanine.com. And if you're interested in training with me, head over to training.matadorcanine.com slash six week coaching. I'll see you guys next time.